Well, let's pray. And that, I want to tell you about something that happened yesterday uh, with hurricane and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into our, our message tonight. Father God, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you that uh, we as a family can come together. Father, we can have fun. We can joke and laugh. And yet, Father, we can sh still share burdens with each other, Father. And we know that as we share those burdens, people are going to come alongside of us and pray with us about those. Father, I think of the young man who's lost his life, the um, AJ. Father, I pray that you would surround his family, his friends. Uh, Father, there's no doubt they weren't counting on him leaving anytime soon. So, Father, I pray that you would get the glory through this. God, I pray that you would just share Jesus with them. God, I think of Julio, Father, and... Uh, as I know him personally, Father, I pray that you would just uh, use this as a way to share Jesus with him. God, we, we thank you for that in advance. Father, we thank you the, the other young boy who lost his life yesterday there in front of his sister, Father, as they were headed to school. God, I pray that you protect his family. God, I pray for the, the lady who hit him, God, that you would help her. As Father, no doubt it was an accident. It wasn't something caused by reckless driving. So, Father, I pray that you'll give favor there where favor is needed. And, Father, you'll give mercy and grace abundant, Father, in that situation. Father, we pray for Carp tonight, Father. He's in a, in a rehabilitation home, Father. And I pray that you would give him that, that desire for life again, God, that he wouldn't give up and roll over. But, Father, he'd continue to fight as we know that's what he is. He's a fighter. So, God, we pray for that. Father, we think of the year-and-a-half-old Rebecca, who's in the hospital, and God, they don't know what's going on with her. They think maybe there's a bacteria or something around her brain, and so God, I pray that you would give the doctors the wisdom there, Father, to treat her. God, I pray that they would have wisdom to find out what's going on and be able to do it quickly, and Father, for the mother, Father, I pray that you just help her to be able to get through the situation. Father, she looks upon her daughter, and uh, she's helpless. Father, she can't do anything to help her daughter, and God, what a defeated feeling that is. So, God, I pray that you would help her just surround that family, uh, help her older sister, Father, as her, her baby sister's in the hospital. God, I think of uh, Brother Tom and his father-in-law, Father. I, I pray for Bill. God, I pray that somehow, some way, Bill would come to know Jesus Christ. God, I believe that as long as he's still breathing, it's never too late. So, God, I pray that if this is the situation that introduces Jesus to him, Father, I pray that you'll work and move through this situation. But, God, at, at 91 years old, we pray for wisdom for the doctors as they treat him. God, we pray that you would just help him to sustain, help him to heal quickly, if that be your divine will. Father, for Lori, as she prepares, Father, for this surgery at the end of June, but, God, now she has the stress of her dad being in ICU. So, God, I pray that you would help her with that. And, Father, I pray that you give Tom and Lori wisdom, fathering dealing with Tyler, and if it be your will for him to come, God, I pray that they would uh, be obedient to that, but Father, if it's not, God, I pray that you would provide another place for Tyler, God, that you would just move in his life. God, I pray for a young man named Jonathan. God, I, you know the situation in his life. You know everything that's happening. God, I pray that you would reveal truth. God, I pray that you would help him where he knows he's, he's hurting. Father, help him where he knows he's deficient. And, Father, I pray that if it be your will, Father, that you'd restore his family. God, we understand the family is the first institution you created, and it, the enemy does everything he can to destroy the family. God, I pray there'd be no room for that. Father, I pray that you'd restore his family. And, Father, I pray for, for other families tonight, God, who are struggling. God, I pray that you would restore those families. Father, even when it looks bleak and like there's no hope, God, we know that if you're in the middle, there's always hope. So, Father, I pray that we would be obedient to turn everything over to you and give you the opportunity 
Father, to restore the families. And God, that you'll get all the honor and the glory for it. Again, God, we love you. We pray for Willie and Miss Valerie. God, we pray that you'd bless them. Father, that you know the financial burdens, the needs there, God, that you'd work and move. For Brian, Father, there in St. Pete, I pray that you'd put someone up, raise someone up in his life that could be a mentor, Father, someone that could help guide him in the proper direction. Father, for Norman, Cindy, and the financial struggles that they may be enduring or looking, looking down the pike at, Father, I pray that you'll provide provision. God, that you'll move and... Uh, God, that stuff will be taken care of in ways that no one could ever imagine. But ultimately, Father, that you'll get all the glory for it. God, we pray for our, our gathering here, not just tonight, but on Sunday. Father, I pray that we would lift Jesus high. And God, I pray that you would draw all men to you. God, this isn't about us. It's not about Bay Shorts. It's about Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that you would help us to remain focused on our mission. Again, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday, yesterday you had field day, right? Yesterday, field day. Hurricane is not feeling well, but he wants to go to school. So I take Hurricane into school because he wants to go to school. So we get there, and they're doing field day. And so they have one hour of dodgeball outside and one hour of laser tag outside. Now, the laser tag, let me just say, is really cool. I think that we as the adults of the church should get together, and we should have them come. And we can turn this into like a laser tag arena. It was really cool, Val. Hey, you should have seen Hurricane in, okay? So he's, he's on the opposite team. Him and Raiden are together, right? And Ola, uh, what's your name again? Rylan. Rylan's down on the other side. Hurricane is standing behind a tree like this. And they yelled, go. And for those of you who know the Terminator movie, he looked like the Terminator. Listen, he turned around from that tree and just started marching down the field. And he's just picking people off. And then his little sister comes running behind him. And <laughs> she says, I like killing people. I'm like, we need to get her out of this game. Uh, <laughs> but Hurricane really enjoyed it. I think we found his calling. Uh, <laughs> and as long as we keep him on the good side, we're all okay. But if he moves over to the dark side with Darth Vader, we got problems. Okay? Um, it, it was just really neat to watch him um, calm down and excel at something. And isn't that true that we just want our kids to excel at something, right? I mean, I don't want him to grow up and be a professional hitman, um, but I want him to excel at something that he's good at. And I'm just telling you, yesterday was an eye-opening experience because uh, he's playing against older kids, Rylan and some, and these kids want him on their team now. Now, when they got over to dodgeball, He's not a dodgeball kind of kid, right? But he is a laser tag kind of kid. He was really good at it. So anyways, all right, week four of the Bible doesn't say that. Here, here's another verse, or an, actually not a verse. I really want to talk about kind of a whole book and kind of this analogy as we hear people are sick, people are going through struggles in life. We've got some going on right here, struggles in life, and some well-meaning saints, I believe. I believe they're well-meaning saints, um, will say the reason you're going through that or through this is because you got sin in your life. Now, I don't think they mean anything harmful by it when they say it, but I, I think they almost make us believe that if we're suffering, it's because of sin. It's because we've done something in our life that is contrary to God, and God, the old white-bearded 
guy sitting in heaven in the rocking chair has nothing better to do than as you're messing up to zap you with a lightning bolt. And I, I think that's a false theme. I think the Bible doesn't say that anywhere. The Bible doesn't say that you suffer because of your sin. Suffering is not brought... Now, I will say that if you limit, live in sin, there's a certain amount of suffering that happens. I believe that. Okay? And if you're God's child, I believe he'll whip you. And if you've ever had a whipping, if Joy FM's ever been played at your house, there's some pain associated with it. Ain't that right, Pinky? She back there shaking her head behind her mom and dad. Uh, there, there's some pain that comes along with Joy FM. It's not all joy. Um, so sin brings on some consequences, yes. But suffering does not always come from sin. It's just not the case. And I know people who, who mean well when they say it, but I think we distort the gospel, we distort the Bible when we believe it. So matter of fact, if you want to turn with me, I'm just going to kind of pick out certain verses as we, we try to run through this quickly. But the book of Job, the book of Job is all about suffering, right? Job is a righteous man. The first uh, chapter uh, and first verse in the book says, there was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. He goes on to say that he had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included all of this stuff. And Job, now I'm skipping down some, Job would wake up early in the morning and do sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord on the off chance that his sons and daughters had sinned. It doesn't say on the off chance that Job had sinned. Job was doing it as a protective matter for his sons and daughters. So the Bible continues on there in verse 6, and it says, One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Because understand the Bible says in the New Testament that there is an accuser who comes back and forth and accuses us before God the Father. So here we have a perfect example of what he's doing. But it says, One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, Where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. So for all those people who think that Satan just hangs out in hell, read your Bible, you'll find otherwise. But um, verse 8, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Job was, you might stretch it to say Job was sinless. Because no doubt I believe that Job was born of a man and a woman, which means the Bible is true as it says that sin passes from Man to woman, man to woman, man to woman, through all generations, right? So Job was born that way, so he had sin in his body. But here the Lord God is saying, hey, here's a man of perfect integrity and turns away from evil, tries to do the best he can, turns away from it. And Satan says, Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? 
Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Verse 12, very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Now we know the rest of the story, right? We understand that the next, Rawson's like, what is it? What is it? Well, if you pick up reading in verse 13, son, you can finish it out. Uh, here's a guy who's about to endure more suffering in a matter of moments than most of us have endured in our entire life. At one point, he has seven sons and three daughters. Everything's going well. A storm pushes through, and guess what? He no longer has seven sons and three daughters. He loses all of them in one failed swoop. As the servant is coming to tell him, hey, by the way, this is happening. Because during this time, he lost all of his cattle. He lost all of his sheep. Everything was stolen from him. So as these people are coming to report these things, he finishes one, and the next one shows up. He finishes that one, and the next one shows up. Now, we're not talking about a man who was steeped in sin. But I don't know about you, but if you go from everything to nothing in a matter of moments, you're in some suffering then. Right? I understand things are just things, but sometimes we need things to pay for other things. Right? And I don't care how bad your kids ever been or how bad your family's ever been. No one wishes death upon them. And here Job has everything going for him. He serves God. Haven't you heard that said sometimes when you, maybe you guys haven't, but I, I go to the hospital. Uh, you guys ought to go with me. I took Garth on a home visit the other day with me. And as we got back into the truck, I said, now are you sure you're so called to be in the ministry? Because it was not one of those easy home visits. And he said, yeah, I think I'm still in. See, when you go to the hospital and you visit people, oftentimes I hear this question, or when suffering begins to overtake people, oftentimes I hear this question or these statements, well, I've served God. I don't know why this is happening. I'm not, doing, I'm not steeped in sin. I don't know why this is happening. Because we automatically take suffering and we equate it with sin, and we think that that's it. The Bible does not tell us that, though, because here in the story of suffering magnified, we don't find that Job was a sinner. I believe he sinned. Don't, please don't hear me as I say I don't think he ever sinned. I think Job had sins. But we find that God describes him as a man of perfect integrity and a man who turned from evil. So he's not a man who hung out at the bar every single night, cheated on his wife, and ran around stealing a bunch of money. That wasn't Job. Job was living for God. Job was doing the right things. We might say that Job was going to church. He had raised his children in the church. He was up serving God. He was serving the community. Job was doing it the right way. And yet God, as Satan comes, God says, what about Job? One might automatically think, well, maybe God inflicted Job with this in a, in a sense. Satan hadn't thought about Job, or if he did, he thought Job was untouchable. And God said, well, what about Job? 
Why don't you toy with him? What about him? And do you know if you read the story, which we don't have time to read at all, but if you read the story, you find that Job has three close friends, or we appear, they appear to be close friends initially in the story, but they start to give Job some advice that just doesn't make sense. They're trying to tell Job, hey, Job, you, you must be a sinner because look at what's happening. Because the world believes the same thing, guys. The world believes that suffering is caused by sin. See, what we have the opportunity to do as Christians is show them just the opposite. We have the opportunity that as we suffer, we can glorify God right through it. Which we find Job did. As hard as it is. Cindy, you were in the hospital some four or five years ago. Five years ago now, right? Five years ago. Uh, really on the brink of death, right? Suffering. And you had the opportunity to display Christ or not. You did, I, I know, we've talked, but how easily could it have been to be woe is me? Very easily. Willie and Valerie, you're going through some stuff. Number one, I'd like to say welcome to life, right? Number two, how easy would it be, how easy would it be to say I don't understand? I'm going to church, I'm not doing what I used to do. I'm doing a whole lot better now. I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to raise my family that way and be in the woe is me attitude. Other people may look and say, well, there may be sin, but you have the opportunity to glorify God as you walk through this, right? The young man who lost his life. It's easy for other people to look at someone like that and say, well, he must have been caught up. He must have been doing da, 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 da. But how easily it is to do that, but it's a whole lot harder to say, you know what, we're going to look for God's glory through this thing. We're going to look for God to save somebody through this thing, draw someone closer to Jesus through this thing. Guys, suffering is not caused by sin. That's not why we deal with this. We deal with suffering because we're human. We deal with suffering because of sin, but it's not caused by sin. Do you understand the difference? We deal with suffering because of sin, because sin has broken our bodies down. Sin has broken our culture down. Sin has broken our society down. So we suffer because of based on those three things, but it's not sin, direct sin that's causing that suffer. It's just the reality of sin that causes that. The reality of sin brings death and destruction. That's what it does. Whether you're involved in it or not, you have death and destruction coming towards you. It's what it is. What we need to get past, we need to get past, as Job did, the, the thought that the reason I'm suffering is because of some sin in my life. That's not the case always. I'd even venture to say that's probably never the case. You suffer because, well, you're human. And it's no fun, I know. And you probably want a better theological answer for that. But if you pick your Bible up and read it, you'll find the same thing. That's just, Job didn't suffer because of a sin he committed. Job suffered because of sin itself. Job suffered because he was human. That was it. No other reason. His, his friends said, hey, you got something hiding in your life. His wife said, hey, just curse God and die. Now, I think she had an insurance policy or something, but isn't it interesting in that story I challenge you to go back and read it. It's only about 700 pages. Um, isn't it interesting that the four closest people to Job, the four closest people to Job, 
said, hey, it's your fault you're going through this. Hey, it's your fault you're going through this. Hey, you've got sin in your life. Hey, why don't you just curse God and die? That goes back to what I tell everybody. Be careful who you surround yourself with. See, Satan can use anybody. It don't matter if it's your wife, your husband, your friends, your mama, your daddy, your brothers, your sisters, your aunt, your uncles, grandparents. He'll use them all if they'll let them. And don't think, well, I never would. Listen, you already have. We're all just as guilty, but my prayer is that we will look at our, our trials and understand that God has a reason for putting us in a trial for allowing the trial to come into our life. And that reason is no other reason but this. And we're actually going to talk about it on Sunday just a little bit, but I'll give you a snippet. Romans 8, and not verse 28, but verse 29. See, we go through trials. We know they're all good, right? Everything that happens to us is good for those who love God and are called according to his glory. We understand that, but it's not doesn't stop there. Verse 29 tells us so that we can be conformed, transformed, to the image of his one and only son. See, we go through trials, we go through sufferings, ultimately, so that we'll be able to be more like Jesus. Because in being more like Jesus, we can minister more like Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't Superman. I know we like to think that he'd jump in the phone booth and rip off his, his robe and he'd have a big J painted on his chest. I don't think Jesus was that. Jesus was a perfect human. He was a perfect human. He was perfect in every way. He was created the way God created us in the beginning. Isn't it funny when you find someone who's getting closer and closer to God that they tend to do greater and greater things for God? Why is that? Because they've been able to get that other thing called sin out of their life a little bit more. Out of their life a little bit more. Out of their life a little bit more. I think I miss Alice. I love Alice. Now she's contrary like most older people are. She's going to do what Alice is going to do. And that's just, you got to love her, right, Brenda? I mean, you just love her. But I'm telling you, there, there's no one that I know that I want praying for me more than Miss Alice. I mean, I think she got a direct line. It's like there. We knew a lady back in Tennessee, Aunt Martha. Aunt Martha was one of those ladies. She, she worked at the Good Shepherd's Children's Home for a number of years until her husband passed away. Then she moved across the way, and they, it was Aunt Martha forever. Aunt Martha had one leg, lost her other leg at 18 years old, and uh, her ministry now is prayer. And listen, if you got a prayer request, you give it to her, she's going to pray for you. And she's going to keep praying for you until you call her back and tell her you're done. Hey, I got it. You don't need to pray for me. Because that's her ministry. And listen, those are the types of people that get things done in prayer. They get them done. Why is that? Because they're getting more and more like Jesus. They've lived the Romans 8 and verse 29. They've lived it. They understand that their suffering wasn't from sin and that their trial was to conform them, transform them to the image of Jesus Christ. So the Bible doesn't say if you suffer, it's because you're a sinner or because you have sin, active sin in your life. You suffer because of sin, because it's, it's what's ruining the world. That's why we suffer. It's not because of you did this or did that. Job did not do it. And ultimately, I think God got back at his wife too. Because the end of the book says, and Job got everything back. Right? 
10 times. But he only got 10 more kids. So she was done bearing kids, and guess what? She had 10 more. So take that one for what you want. Uh, my dear. Uh, uh, she's done. <laughs> hey, Job's wife thought she was done too. Uh, what's it say? Uh, all things are possible with God, right? All right, Father God, we thank you for this day, and God, we thank you for your word, Father, that you have perfectly preserved it. God, we thank you that, Father, we can understand that sufferings aren't always caused by sin. God, that sometimes you allow us to suffer, you allow us to go through trials and uh, things of that nature, Father, because you want to conform us, you want to transform us to the image of your Son. So, Father, I understand that all trials aren't necessarily even for me. Sometimes I'm in a trial or going through something, Father, for the next person so that they can see Jesus in my life and, Father, be able to glorify him. So, Father, I pray that you give us that strength. God, you've heard different trials mentioned here today. God, you've heard different sufferings mentioned. So, Father, I pray that you would work and move in those. God, we thank you for Stephanie, who's online with us right now. God, I pray that you'll bless her in Georgia. Father, I pray that you would release her from this trial at your appointed time. And, God, that we'd be able to worship with her in person, not just across technology. Again, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.